uh, week eight of a series called Repossessed, which is godly wisdom for restoring joy in your home. And the way we planned it was so that it would fall through Mother's Day and Father's Day and VBS Sunday, and we'd be able to speak into the lives of families. What an important role fathers play in the lives of their children. Even though we live in a day and age when uh, mom and dad probably both work, there's still that sense in a lot of folks that dad uh, is a provider. There's that sense that dad is the encourager, the affirmer, the one who can get into the kids' lives and and just make them beam with his praise. Uh, There's this concept of dad as protector, and then perhaps the most important part of being a father is your ability to make incredible blanket forts. Uh, That is one where if you have not yet honed your father's skills, blanket forts are incredibly important for the development of your children. Uh, You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Your kids begin to make a tent or a fort, and the next thing you know, they look at you and go, Dad, it's falling apart. We need your help. And you go over there, and you begin to put the blankets together, and and you get everything going, and you bring in a dining room chair, and you throw it over the couch, and, Dad, we need more blankets. So you go, and you get your blankets, and more blankets from the closet, and you get some more blankets going, and you've got the whole tent ready, and you go, all right, kids, go on in. But that's not where it ends, is it, Dad? Dad, you're coming in with us, aren't you? And so this space that you've created that's like three by four is now meant to uh, carry not only two or three of your children, but your husky dad frame. And uh, you're ready to crawl in there, and you get in there with your kids, and they're all breathing with their bad breath, and you're thinking, what am I doing in here? And nobody can breathe at all, just halitosis and stinkiness, and somebody breaks wind, and the next thing you know... One of your kids stares you right in the face and goes, now we're safe. You know? You know what I'm talking about. Have you been there? Have you been there? Now we're safe. We made made the blanket fort. We're all good. Until Fido comes along, until baby brother comes along, and in one instant the fort comes crashing down, and the kids aren't safe anymore. You know, there is something powerful that God has placed in the hearts of children, and it's it's not only a need for that safety and security that for them can sometimes be communicated through putting themselves in a small fortified place. But having dad come along is important to them too because part of the role that dad's supposed to play in the lives of kid, kids is, is, a, is a place of safety and a place of protection, a fortress for their kids to run into, says the Proverbs. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about having the ability to build the fortress around your kids And make sure that instead of tearing down the fortress that our kids are trying to create for themselves in their lives, that we are instrumental in building up that fortress that helps them to feel safe and secure and confident in a world that can be pretty tough. I want to draw your attention to two specific scriptures today, and you can choose to turn to either one. You could choose to turn to Colossians chapter 3, and that'll have verse 21 that we'll be looking at. And then there's a sister passage that is very much like it, and it's in Ephesians chapter 6, and it's going to be verse 4. Most scholars believe that these were sister uh, uh, books that were written in the Bible, that Paul wrote them at about the same time, just to two different groups of churches. And you'll see that the wording is sort of close, but there's going to be a different emphasis for each of the churches that he writes to. If you don't have a Bible today, that's fine. It's going to come up on your screen right now. And I'd like us to focus on these verses, and then there'll be a third verse for us to think about in just a few minutes. Instructions to dads today to build that fortress and to keep it secure. Fathers, do not provoke your children, or they may lose heart. That's Colossians 3, 21. 
And then Ephesians 6.4 says, And fathers, do not provoke your children. So we have that same beginning, but when Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, he decides to take a little bit different approach rather than talking about losing heart. He says, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So we have two passages there that exist in the New Testament, and they're two of the only passages that we have that are specific uh, prerogatives given to fathers. There's so many things that we could draw on between the relationship of, of God the Father in the Old Testament and, and his children Israel. So many things that we could draw upon between God the Father and his son Jesus, and then the extension that we have as the children of God, as Romans says, that we can cry, Abba, Father, to God. But I wanted to focus on these two particular admonitions today from Paul because I believe that in those two, if we marry those passages together, we have a real strong foundation for building that fortress around our kids that they might feel secure and stable and confident in a world that's pretty tough. I'm going to talk to you today from those two passages then about three C's for protection, three C's that get us to a place that we can protect our kids against the things that this world will throw at them. And the three C's that we'll be talking through are the caution, the consequence, and the cure. Those are the three things that we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 4 to talk about today. The caution, the consequences, and the cure. So let's go back to that scripture page for just a minute. We see the caution. Fathers, do not provoke your children... And then in Ephesians chapter 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now, those are two different words that appear in the Greek. So even though Paul is following sort of the same outline in the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, he's sp speaking specific things to different churches in Colos and Ephesus. The first church he's speaking to, if we're t just thinking about Colossians, is he's telling them, don't. Do things to your kids that will incite them. Don't incite against your children. Don't, don't, don't be people who push your kids' buttons until they lose heart. Until they just are deflated. That's the caution. Don't, don't do stuff that will deflate your kids. Then when he thinks of Ephesus, and I don't know what was going on in Ephesus, he changes the language. And even though in my Bible, the NRSV, it says provoke in both, it's a completely different Greek word. And the Greek word that's used in Ephesians chapter 6, 4, and is translated here, provoke to anger. Or as some of you have in your Bibles, exasperate your children. I love that word. I'm exasperated, right? So one of the cautions that's given to us from the Apostle Paul is to not do things to our kids that will allow them to go... And just be depressed. Lose heart. The second one is don't do things to your kids that will cause them to go, Dad! And anger them. And anger them. Those are the two cautions that we have today. Now, there are a lot of ways that we can cause our children to have anger towards us or to provoke them to the place that they end up in a place where they've lost heart. So the caution is don't provoke. And as I was reading commentators this week and I was looking at other Father's Day sermons that some of my favorite preachers have preached over the years, I saw these six as the six that sort of come into play in so many of our minds when we think about those daddy wounds, those father wounds, those things that affect children and have a lasting effect throughout their lives. 
A couple years ago, I had the occasion to go to a counseling conference at Ashland Seminary. That's where I did my master's work, but I also uh, got certified in a specific brand of counseling. And as part of the counseling uh, technique that we learned, we had to go through the entire process ourselves. And I don't know how this ended up happening, but I ended up in a small group with a lot of pastors in their 60s and 70s guys who have been pastoring for a long time, but they wanted to put something new in their tool belt in terms of their counseling. And I would never uh, do anything to share about individuals. In fact, I don't remember any of their names or, or their individual experiences, but that would be wrong. But it was amazing as we began to go through the process of, of this technique of counseling and we began to learn about family of origin and the, the things that shape us into the men that we were today, it was amazing to me when we got into the process to see a lot of 60-some and 70-some-year-old men tear up because of daddy wounds from 50 years ago, stuff that happened in their childhood that was still unresolved, that they were still dealing with. And a lot of those wounds that were present there came out of these six categories that I want to talk to you about for just a few moments today. One of the things we talk about regularly at Victory Life, one of the things that our elders are very keen on and one of the things that our pastors are very keen on is that dads and fathers don't become the resident critic in their home. That we don't become the people who are constantly analyzing, constantly evaluating, and constantly spouting our analytics at our family. Being people who look at our wives and our children on a regular basis and tell them what they're doing wrong. Or ask really nasty questions like, why are you doing it that way? You know, dads, we have an analytical nature. It's part of what God has blessed a lot of men with. The idea that we think in a straight line and we like to plan and we like to strategize. That's why men are drawn to strategy games. Because we like to think and strategize. And I'm not saying that women don't. I'm just talking in generalities here this morning this morning. That's part of your gift to your family to be able to think through things all the way through. The problem with that is the enemy wants to take hold of that analytical side of you and begin to make it a very critical side of you so that you spend your days telling people what they're doing wrong. You should not have worn that. You should not have spent that. You should not have done that. That job was not good enough. And critique doesn't always have to be making statements about something that someone's done wrong. As I mentioned, it can be a question. Why are we going that way? What are you doing? It's just as strong as critique as looking at someone and going, that was dumb. Because questions like that can make people feel so small and so little And we as parents and we especially as fathers have this role in our children's lives that we are to be encouragers to them. People who speak into their lives and allow them to be built up, not run down, not lose heart. But in a lot of ways we have the power over them too to zap their heart and steal their heart because they're doing it wrong, because they're silly, because they haven't figured it out, because they haven't got it. Folks, I want to warn you and I want to I tell you, men in this room, one of the keys to a happy marriage, one of the keys to a happy relationship with your children is to get the criticism out of your verbiage. Get it out of the way that you speak. Get rid of it completely. 
Criticism doesn't even have to take the form of a question or a statement. It could be something like this. Dad, look at my report card. Hey, A's and B's. Well, I guess even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, huh? Right? Can't we be sarcastic with our kids and undercut their self-esteem in just a moment? Dads, if you operate in sarcasm, it's time to think about what you're saying. It's time to think about what you're conveying to your children. Because you might be conveying you're dumb. You might be conveying you're illogical. Dads with daughters, you might be conveying you're overly emotional. That's not what God has designed you, Dad, to do. God has designed you to affirm and to give and to love, not to critique. You're not a know-it-all. Don't act like one. The second thing that can drive a rift between you and your children and cause them to lose heart is your personal preferences. It's my way or the highway. It's my remote. Don't touch it. It's my radio station. Don't touch it. This is what I want in this house, and this is how it's going to be. Dad as bully. I'm not going to have you raise your hand if you have a dad like that. Don't do it. But there are dads like that. It's their way or the highway. And the problem is so many times for you dads who come to church, you don't differentiate between the truth that is found in Scripture and the truth that are your personal preferences. <laughs> Hello, thanks. Goodbye. We don't, we don't differentiate between what God has said in his word and what dad just wants to make dad happy. We have to be careful with those things. We have to be careful with those things. I have the utmost respect for my father. My dad is, was my hero. Love him more than any other man than in the history of the world. One of the greatest things we ever did to him out in the boat one day, it was one of my favorite things. Mike and I were out fishing with dad. And we were both in our college years, and A.J. was still in high school. And Mike leaned over to me, and he says, I'm going to tell Dad that A.J. got an earring. <laughs> and I went, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so we're out fishing in the boat, and Mike looks at Dad and goes, Hey, Dad, you know A.J. went out and got his ears pierced? <laughs> Dad looked at Mike and just said, well, he can move out. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Now, my dad was a dad who taught us the truth of the scripture. That was part of our home life. But my dad and earrings was a personal preference thing, right? <laughs> right? Now, dad, that's not to say that you can never have a standard in your home. But your kids are going to grow up and they're going to get wise. And they're going to begin to realize that, you know what, dad's word was done in a way that wasn't right. Dad's word was, was not scripture, it was just dad's preference. And we need to make, be able to differentiate between those two. There might be things in the culture, dad, that you absolutely despise, but there's nothing in the scripture against it. So you need to have some freedom and some leeway in that, not let your kids go down a negative road because this is your station, this is your TV show, not in this house because I just don't like it. And that flows right into the next thing. Which is, dads, if you really want to drive a rift between you and your kids, share a lot of cultural opinions about how the world is now. Because this is the world that your kids are growing up in, and it's normal to them. You, you can, by your ability to talk down about the present culture, can leave your children in a really defeated and cynical place. How many of you have ever heard from your dad growing up, you adults, I don't know anything about this music that they're playing today. When I was growing up, we listened to the Beatles. 
We listened to the Stones. We listened to real music. Then I got saved. I listened to Petra. You know what? Whatever it might be, yeah, right? But whatever it might be, you know, you can put down the music of the culture, and, and your kids are just going, there's real music today. You're so irrelevant. What are you talking about? You can even do this with the silly things. Your kid's sitting there eating wheat checks. That's the crappy milk. Not milk like it was milk in my day. Milk in my day was sweet. It was wonderful. It was full of cow fat. Not today. They skim everything off of it, and all you can taste is the antibiotics and the hormones. That's it. And they're just trying to eat their wheat checks, you know? Dads, you can be so cynical about today, can't you? Now, let me share a good thing about my dad, about the earring thing. AJ didn't get an earring, thank God. He might have got kicked out. But I remember one day I was riding in the car with my dad, and I was into wrestling. How many of you were into wrestling, right? NWO, WWF, right? The whole deal. And I remember my dad, we were driving down the road one day, and he just looks at me and he goes, who do you think's going to win that big match at Starcade, Sting or Ric Flair? I could have fallen out the car right in that moment. My dad asked me something about professional wrestling because I loved professional wrestling. Now, he could have looked at me and gone, that's not the wrestling the way it used to be. Back in the day, they actually punched each other in the jaw and then shook hands afterwards, right? But my dad took an interest in where my cultural preferences lied and took an interest in what I was doing. My dad took an interest in the music that I listened to. He took an interest in the hobbies that I had. And he wasn't constantly talking about all the negative things of the way the world is today. Dads, be careful. You want to drive a wedge between you and your kids? Put down everything that's important to them today. You know what I'm talking about? Put down everything that's important to them today. Erratic behavior can drive a wedge. Dad went nuts the other day and everybody went running, right? Dad had an angry fit and we had to get out of there. Or kids pick up on things that are erratic in terms of discipline. How come that little Susie gets away with everything, but little Derek gets punished like that? Derek picks up on that. Susie will pick up on that too. Your kids will pick up on your erratic behavior. Man, I want you to listen when your wife looks at you and says, you know, I think you're being too hard on dot, dot, dot. Listen to your wife. Now, I know what you're thinking. Give me the four times that I've been wrong towards dot, dot, dot. And your wife's going, no, 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 listen, it's just a feeling. It's just something I observe. Don't be so hard on this child. You're really hard on this one. Pull that back. Pull that back. And you know, this one over here, you show a little favor to. Be careful there. Be careful there. They're going to pick up on that. Your wife is a great gauge, a, a, a wonderful barometer to whether or not you're behaving erratically. And if she looks at you and goes, why are you flying off the handle? Say, sorry. There is never an opportunity or never a moment in life where I need to be flying off the handle like that. Fits of rage, Dad, go a long way to driving a wedge between you and your kids, as well as disinterest. This is one I never had to face as a child, but I know so many kids who have come up in this type of environment. Dad came home, and he ran for his hobby and ignored me. And I want to tell you, you only get one chance to dive into your kid's life. 
There's going to be a span of years where they're going to be interested in spending time with you. Don't waste it. Because then there's going to come a time in your life and you go, I don't know why my kids don't want to have anything to do with me. They're just following your lead. Just following your lead. And then finally, the most damaging one of all church guys is hypocrisy. Dad plays a good game at church. He might even say things like amen. Or when somebody asks dad how he's doing, he might say, blessed brother. But I know who he is at home. I know the language he uses. I know how much he drinks on the weekend. I know that he flies into fits of rage. I even know what he looks at on his computer. I know what type of shows he watches. And I don't think that's right. If you want your children to grow up to despise God, just be a hypocrite. And don't take God seriously. You say, Pastor Matt, this is sort of a heavy message. Where's the encouragement for fathers today? It's coming. It's coming. But is it okay that in church we talk real? Is it okay that we talk about the real stuff that takes place in homes? Or is everyone's home perfect? All right, if you're sitting on the front row and you're wearing the color blue and your husband has ever flown into a fit of rage, raise your hand. That's my wife. I remember going down Bailey Road, I just can't take it. Put your hands on the wheel. Okay. True? True. Can we talk real in church about real stuff? Because this is, this is what happens in our homes. You know what the consequences are? We won't spend long on the consequences because I want to get to the good stuff. Let's go to the consequences. Throw them all up there, Tina. I know I brought them in one at, one at a time. But look, low self-esteem cynical worldview, life's unfair, which leads to entitlement, no one cares, the most dangerous one, Christianity stinks, and the one that's going to hurt you when you're 65, I don't want to be around dad. That's what happens if you don't want to address any of this stuff today. That's what happens if you don't want me to talk real and wish you would have left and, and begun to watch the early coverage on the U.S. Open. That's what happens if you don't deal with stuff, dad. By the way, besides I don't want to be around dad, if you look at those first five, isn't that like the character sketch of most millennials? Read them. Isn't that that what you're so upset about with the world today? These kids, they go around and they get offended by everything. These kids think the world stinks. They don't know how hard people have fought to make America an awesome place. These kids and their entitlement, they think the whole world exists to serve them. They don't believe that anybody cares about them. They just do their own thing, and of course they hate Christianity because they're godless. No, we just have a fatherless generation in this country. Folks who didn't grow up in a place where dad built a fortress around their life and said, you know what, it's okay to feel secure. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be confident. And let me tell you all the reasons you should be confident. And let me tell you all the blessings and the reasons you should be happy. And let me tell you all the reasons that you shouldn't go through life going, this stinks, but you have the ability to go through life going, God is good. That's the other side of all of this. So we talked about the caution. We talked about the consequences. Let's talk about the cure. Let's talk about making sure that we are folks who put a fortress up around our kids so that they can be happy and confident and secure in a world that's pretty tough on them. 
Tina, give me the next portion. The cure starts with dad's relationship to God. First and foremost. You say, aren't you going to talk about, you know, the cure and how I don't become critical anymore or, or how I can stop playing video games and go out on the street and play ball with my kids? Is, is, it starts with your relationship to God. You cannot, will not, won't, can't make changes unless the Spirit of God prompts you to change. It's why Jesus said, unless a man be born again. God has the power to create you to be the man that he designed you to be. You don't have the power to be the man that you want to be. God has the power to do that. You don't have the power to do that. God has the power to change you. You don't have the power to change you. But I know for most of you, you do want to be that fortress around your kids. You do want to have joy in your home. You want your kids happy and secure and confident when they leave your home. And it starts not with parenting techniques. It starts with your relationship to God. Look at Proverbs 14, 26. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Now, here at Victory Life, we have a working definition of the fear of the Lord. It's a mental recognition of just how serious God takes himself and how serious we ought to take him. Men, you need to take God seriously. Take his words seriously. Take his mandates seriously. Take his community seriously. Because by doing that, God has the power to influence you in the way that you are supposed to live. I've said it three times now. You want your kids confident and happy and secure when they leave your home? You have to first be confident, happy, and secure in God. That's the starting place, guys. That's the starting place. If you are someone who's cynical, critical, life's unfair, life stinks, life's a party and then we die, your kids are going to grow up that way. But if you're someone who recognizes that the, that the source of your character and integrity is the Spirit of God living in you, you have the opportunity to raise secure, confident, and happy children. But it's got to be in you first. The problem with so many dads is they bring their kids to church and they hope by osmosis their kids get all the good things from Christianity. Because they're not putting in the time and the work at home to make sure that they're getting the good things there. Well, we're going to be a family that goes to church, but Monday through Saturday, dad's going to do what dad wants to do. That's the infection. The cure is your relationship to God. If you know God and know he is a strong fortress, you know that your safety and security, your happiness and your future is wrapped up in the work of God and Jesus Christ in your life, your kids will have the opportunity to build that same fortress. And until that time, they can run into dads. Until such time as they can become secure and happy and confident in adults, they can run into dad's fortress. They can get into the place that dad has constructed because dad trusts the Lord, because dad serves the Lord. 
I was meeting with a family recently who had lost their dad. And they said one of the greatest things that their dad taught them was to have a childlike faith that if the Bible said it, he did it. What a heritage. What a heritage. What a, what a strong thing. Just a, just a faith that says, well, if the Bible says this, and it's not, and, and granted, there's so many things that can cloud that. Well, it, it's not something that's a, a, a crazy passage from back there for a specific time and a specific people, but, but it's a mandate from Scripture that is unchallenged. That's who we're going to be, and that's who I want to be. What a beautiful heritage. That's the cure, Dad. Because at the end of the day, your kids are going to look back on your life and they're not going to look back and go, Dad took us on great vacations. Awesome. They're not going to look back and go, Ah, Dad always provided. Thanks. They're not going to look back on your life and, and as, they, as they put in summary, who was Dad? They're not going to go back and, and, and say, well, Dad had a lot of hobbies. He was a great craftsman. What kids need to go back and look at their dad and say is, Dad was a man of character. Dad had integrity. Dad tried to do right by us. Tina, let's go back a few slides to the caution, to those six things that are the issue that so many people have. But back a little further to the caution, Tina. Critique, personal preference, cultural opinions, erratic behavior, disinterest. I think that I have probably done all of those this week. Me. I'm not talking about you. Maybe you're the perfect dad. But I think those first five I have done this week. I've critiqued somebody. I've been silly about my personal preferences. I probably shared my cultural opinions. I'm a head case, so probably erratic. There may have been a moment where I was playing Madden and I could have been playing checkers or something with one of my kids. But the key to my children's happiness is number six. Do I have character? Do I have character? Because you're not going to be a perfect dad. You're not going to be a perfect husband. You don't have the capacity to be that. Your relationship to God is going to tell you, I'm going to try to stay away from those first five as best I can. God, give me the strength. But you're still going to sin. But if your kids know that you love and serve the Lord and put him first, and that you take the Bible at its word and try to live it as best you can, that's going to cover over a multitude of sins. If you're trying your best not to be a hypocrite, but to be a man of your word and a man of character, that's going to cover over a multitude of negative stuff. So let's go forward, Tina, the cure. Men, you need to build your fortress. You need to build your fortress. You need to be a man of prayer, and your kids need to see it. That when something stinky comes, an unexpected bill an unexpected illness, a fight between siblings that doesn't seem like it can be cured. Folks, I think it's time that we pray. I think it's time that we pray. Because I fear the Lord. I take God as seriously as God takes himself. It's time that we pray. 
it would be awesome if you dust off the cover of your Bible and read it and say, God, what are you speaking to me from my home this week? Dads, I really encourage you, your church attendance is paramount to this whole hypocrisy thing. If your kids see that church is negotiable all the time, church will not even be an option for them when they hit their late teens and 20s. It won't be important to them. Build your fortress. And the fourth thing, men, the thing that we hate, the word that no one wants to talk about, is accountability to other men. Well, that's nobody's business. No one needs to go, needs to know what I'm doing. No one needs to know what's going on in my home. We are a kingdom unto ourselves. And if all our subjects die, that's up to me. Dad, dad, as iron sharpens iron, you have the opportunity because you're in a church like this. We have men's groups every Wednesday, every Sunday, and every other Saturday where you have the ability to know and be known. And if you've messed up big, there's guys that you can look at and go, I've messed up big. How do I heal my family? I, I, I don't know what to do. My kids are driving me crazy. I'm at, I'm at my end. I, I said something to my wife, and I don't know if she'll ever forgive me. What should I do? Let somebody in, guys. Otherwise, you are in that tent suffocating with your little kingdom. Accountability is important. And then the second part of the cure is right there in Ephesians chapter 6. Help your kids build their fortress. For now, men with children in your home, they should be able to run into your fortress and be safe. They should know that when they run to dad, dad's not standing on the ramparts with arrows of critique. Arrows of judgment, arrows of personal preferences and cultural opinion and erratic behavior. They should be able to run to their dad and be safe. But your job before your kids leave your home is to help them build their fortress. You should pray with your kids, as we mentioned. You should be reading the Bible with your kids. Letting the word of God get into your home and get into their lives. Well, I'm no Bible scholar. I don't know that I'm that smart, Pastor Matt. Read Jonah and the whale and say, what's the moral of the story? You know, there's enough stories in there that you can pick up on the moral of the story. Read Psalm 23. Read Psalm chapter 1 and say, what's, what's the biblical author trying to tell us, kids? It's simple, not hard. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. Read the Bible with your kids. Pray with them. You say, my kids are grown and I didn't do any of that. I know I'm a critical man. My kids barely have anything to do with me. They tell their mom everything. They don't tell me anything. Here's one for you, Dad, who was cold years ago. What if that thing that your wife told you about one of your kids, you called up one of your kids and say, hey, Mom told me this was going on. Can I pray with you? They'd be floored. They'd be floored. What a way to melt the ice, huh? To say, hey, Mom told me this was going on. Can I pray with you? Even if your kids are grown, you can still help them build their fortress. Let them see you worship. Let them see you worship. Let them see you give and bend your knee to God. Say, I'm sorry. Say, I did something wrong and I was reading my Bible and I repent to you right now about what I did or what I said. 
What power that gives, that fortress, when dad's willing to admit his fault. You know, we let our kids go right before the message here, and we used to let our kids go right after worship. We thought there was a power to kids and adults worshiping together, and that's why we don't do the dismissal right away. But then, of course, when you get to the, to the sermon, it can be sort of boring for kids. But we changed our policy a number of years ago because a man in the church came to us and said, I have a problem with letting the kids go after worship. We said, well, well, why? And we thought he'd say, we need all of service, the kids to be gone. He said, I want my kids to be in when I tithe. <laughs> we sort of laughed at first. I remember the staff meeting. Well, why? He says, well, we don't have a lot of money. But I want my kids to know that I take God seriously and I trust God to take care of our family. So I want my kids to see me giving in the offering each week. That'll build their faith in God. We changed our policy. We changed our policy. Because the fear of the Lord is to take God as serious as God takes himself, to, to recognize that God's real. And he calls us to fidelity to him. So let them see you worship. Let them see you give. And when I say let them see you bend your knee, admit your faults to them, and repent to them when you've been wrong. And then finally, Dad, serve your kids without complaint. There'll come a day where they'll probably have to take care of you. You want them to do better for you than just finding you a good home, right? Serve them without complaint. One of the favorite things I like to do is take that passage from Mark where Jesus says, the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I've been telling dads for a number of years, dads, when you're driving home from work in the afternoon, I want you to quote this to yourself. Dad came home not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for his family. You only get so long that you get to serve your kids. And I don't mean addressing their every whim. I mean taking care of their needs the way that you can take care of them. Help them build their fortress that they can feel secure and confident and happy in the Lord. Because dad is who he says he is. And God is who God says he is. Let's bow and pray. Father God, I know today that we have a lot to process in the 40-minute talk. And I know today some men haven't left slide number two on all the cautions. And I know there's probably some guys here kicking themselves because their kids are grown and they wish they would have heard this 30 years ago. And I know, God, that there are folks taking your word in and saying, God, I do want to be a fortress for my kids that they can run into. And it's my relationship to God and I take his word seriously that's going to do that. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I know they'll forgive a lot of things, but they won't forgive hypocrisy. So, Lord, I know that there are guys here dealing with all types of different stuff today. But, Lord, by your grace, will you speak to each one what they need to hear? Whether it's comfort for a man who's brokenhearted over his relationship with his kids, 
whether it's directions for a man who just needs to tweak some things, whether it's a moment that a guy needs to say, I am really on a bad track with my family and I want to get back on track with God. Whatever it is you need to speak in this moment, I pray that you would speak. Let's just be silent before the Lord for just a minute and allow his spirit a chance to move. Don't check out mentally, guys. Press in in the spirit. Speak to the Lord. like every father and husband in this place just stand to your feet right now and I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed but if God's spoken something to you today and you need to commit it to him I'm going to ask you to just turn your palms upward to God and say God as Pastor Matt prays I'm committing to you what you've told me to commit to you today like I said, every head bowed and every eye closed and ladies in the room, I just want you to, to, to just pray for the one you're sitting next to. Let's lift up these guys today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray your encouragement. I pray your strength. I pray your resolve upon the men gathered here. I pray, Lord, that you would put such a burning desire in their hearts to know you and serve you. That you, God, would be their fortress. That they would be able to find their security, their stability, their health, and their wholeness in you. And I pray, Lord, for the husbands and the fathers in this room today they would be able to get down on their hands and knees and begin to construct the fort. The one that says God is faithful, loving, and true. I pray that they'd get down on their hands and knees and in whatever way, whether their children are young or grown, can begin to build the blocks of their fort inspiring their children to love and serve the Lord with a whole heart. We thank you, Jesus, that you have the power, the wisdom, and the ability to change our lives and to make us new. Pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.